welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is David Alamey, who specializes in training the minds of high-level performers in business, athletics, and surgery. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Um, David, welcome back to the show. We did a podcast last week where we, um, I introduced David in some detail, but basically David is one of my mentors. He is a golf coach. He started working with me in 2003, and I engaged him as my surgical performance coach in about 2006. And over the next 18 months, my surgical complication dropped through the floor. We have trained about maybe two or 300 surgeons around the country in these athletic performance principles brought to the operating room. About 10 years ago, we started training my spine fellows with these techniques with a dramatic improvement in their performance, decreasing complication rate, and just really a wonderful process that still is going to this day. But I like to talk, have David talk to us about his story with the University of Women's golf team in what, 2016, David? Yes. Where they won the national championships, the only national championship University of Washington has won in the last 25 years, correct? Well, no, just I think since 2000 women's softball won a few years before that, but it's okay. been, yeah, it's been a while. Been a while. Anyway, so David came, so David came out as assistant volunteer golf coach, um, I think the year before that. And I'll let him tell the story, but it's a remarkable story about how you take talented athletes and maximize their performance using the same principles that, that we actually do to solve chronic pain. So David, welcome back. And um, I'm anxious to hear the story. And I just, I just like hearing the story. I like telling the story because it was fun being part of uh, a team that reached such high levels of success. And uh, so the University of Washington women's golf team, we are in Seattle. We are not known as a golf powerhouse. Uh, it's only been twice. I think Purdue won a national championship and we won only the two Northern schools ever to win, right? We're competing against the Floridas and the, the Arizonas and the Southern California schools that are just powerhouses from a talent standpoint, from a weather standpoint, right? It's easy to recruit. Um, but we had a lovely team. We had three freshmen on the team and two seniors, an interesting lineup. And, uh, and, and we had, I had been with the team for a few years and we were a solid team. We did not have the kind of rankings uh, that, uh, and, and the world rankings and the players, uh, versus our competition. But uh, so we went on and uh, really it started the year before in 2015 when our team had a chance to win the national championship. We were good again. We had the number one seed USC Trojans against the ropes in the back nine. And about the time when the television cameras came, it was a big deal in collegiate women's golf to be live on the golf channel, but it was the first year and it was uh, really uh, exciting. Except when the cameras came, our players became distracted and hit a number of extraordinarily below average shots that are atypical. <laughs> and it led to us going down to USC. And uh, I feel like if we would have beat that number one seed, we would have won that year. I was pretty frustrated and uh, the coach was as well. We had an opportunity uh, and for my work, he, as a performance coach, as a mental coach here, we kind of folded <laughs> under pressure. So we started the next year and coach Muffler was uh, kind enough to really allow me to go deep starting at the beginning of that 2016 season. 
um, where the players came together around creating a vision. And that vision was, of course, the hardware of a team is to win a national championship, but they had created other ways to define success. So we went through the year and we grew and we worked and trained our minds. I mean, one of the key takeaways from this is when you get repetitions, we say this, you can train three things in golf or in any domain. You can train three things. You can train your body, right? So these players could be stronger and faster and better conditioned and get good sleep and they can, you know, eat good food and stay hydrated. You can train. So you can train your body, you can train your craft and you can train your mind. Training their craft is working on their golf swing, working on their strategy, thinking about the various shots that they need to hit. So that's craft. You can train your body, you can train your craft, and you can train your mind. And here's where we see a great lack in many teams. More and more teams are cluing into the idea that you can train your mind. That means just like you get in the gym and get repetitions, you can get repetitions in training your mind. One of the unique things about this team that went on to win the national championship is that they bought into that. And when you're talking to coaches, I mean, mental coaches in particular, well, I guess any coach, is when a team buys in, you have something special. Right. And this team did. Um, individuals on the team took leadership. They were vulnerable. They shared what their interferences were to remind the listeners the performance formula we used is performance equals skill minus interference plus or minus luck. And we knew that we had the skill to win, to play great golf. So, and we, and, and this team understood that if they were able to identify and, and, and eliminate interferences, we had a good chance to win. And they just deeply committed to that. They did the repetitions. And when you do the repetitions and when you practice, you talk about the plasticity of the brain. They applied that principle and got repetitions in order to have their, the way that they play align with the vision. It right. Just didn't work. I can make a, a quick comment here. So the key concept with this whole process, we talk about chronic pain, is that it's a programming problem. It is a, not a psychological problem. And with repetition, you're creating new brain circuits that are repeatable. That's not psychological. And so what doesn't work is positive thinking. <clears throat> That's a lot different than positive vision. And David, I'm actually comment on positive vision versus positive thinking in a second. And the second thing is, is connecting to what actually is in front of you. It's not about belief or not belief. It's actually becoming aware and acknowledging the interferences that are there and then moving forward through the interferences. It's not getting rid of the interferences. It's processing them. Yes. So can you just, before you move on to the rest of the story, can you tell us a couple of things that you did physically, like the expressive writing center that actually help people break through the interferences? Well, I have a video of that team using the expressive writing technique and we, the final, the, the national championship was played later on at three o'clock. So we can get prime time on the East coast. So they, as part of this buy-in, they recognized that these interferences were kind of have problem in terms of them reaching their goals. So right. they bought into expressive writing, for example. And what they would do is they would build into their training practice, pre-tournament round, post-round, um, writing down their negative thoughts, reading them out loud, ripping the page off, and then throwing it all away. Um, and as you teach, it's, it's a way to get repetitions. Right. Um, 
it's somatic, right? It's physical. They're not just in their head thinking, oh, don't worry about it. It'll be okay. They're right. actually writing down their negative thoughts, the thoughts that are uninvited, that they want to be aware of more specifically right. showing up on the golf course so that they're at hand. And when those interferences show up that hurt their performance that they're not committed to, they're like, oh, there it is. And then they're able to use like on the golf course tools that we build into their pre-shot routines to eliminate the interferences. Right. I mean, the number one thing that happens in the chronic pain process is that the whole process has different choices and is optional. The only mandatory starting point is the expressive writing, which is not the solution. It's just the starting point. And I call it mechanical meditation. It somehow breaks into these obsessive circuits. And we both know that positive thinking doesn't work because it's a way of suppressing negative thinking. When you try to suppress negative thoughts, it becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. So again, in my journey, expressive writing has been a huge factor. There's over a thousand research papers that document that it works. And again, it doesn't matter whether it's dealing with the doctor, your chronic pain, where it's comp or the golf course, the expressive writing doesn't solve the problem. It just separates you from your thoughts. It's not intended to solve the thoughts. It's intended just to separate. <clears throat> then the reprogramming part with neuroplasticity, which involves awareness, separation, reprogramming, the writing does the awareness and separation in one move. And the reprogramming, one tool is called active meditation. I was wondering if you could discuss in the middle of the tournament how you use that active meditation to help the girls keep moving forward. Well, one simple thing that we did, um, when you get to the national championship in women's golf, on the arrival day, you're allowed to walk the golf course. Okay. And then after that is a practice round. We, <laughs> Coach Mofler has this great idea to walk, walk, walk the golf course in reverse. Start out 18 green and walk to number one, which is the opposite of every other team in the field, which is... It's, it's great on a number of levels. As we're walking down the 18th fairway, stopped the team, had them look around and notice the trees and okay. the blue sky and the shape of the clubhouse behind the green. Just had them really look at that environment and said, well, you're going to be here in perhaps the biggest pressure moments of your life. So your golf life, well, yeah, their lives are young. So and identify some key way to, to tap into the present moment, to the environment, when you're coming down the stretch, the, the trees against the blue sky, the sounds of some birds, and, and, and had them raise their arms up high in the air and have fun with it and just really be relaxed and playful in that pressure situation. So that, and all of them reported when they'd come down 18, I mean, we did some amazingly clutch action there, but we were able to, to, have them, you know, under pressure, be able to use active meditation or active awareness to connect to the environment. Let me, let me explain active meditation just for a second. So it's basically taking three to five seconds and placing your mind on a different sensation. That, that's it. And so what you're doing, instead of fighting, racing thoughts, you simply switched your attention to something else. Again, not positive thinking, it's positive substitution. And it could be anything. I mean, just right now, just feel the back of your chair and drop your shoulders. That's it. It's exactly what we do in the middle of surgery during a stressful time. We just drop our shoulders and go to light touch. That's active meditation. It's, on, it's meditation on the run. It's, a, it's an abbreviated form of mildness. It's not magic. It's just simply switching sensory input, which changes the body's chemistry. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm just curious. Let's, let's jump back to the tournament. I'm just curious. I know you told some stories about the actual tournament, how you use the active meditation on certain shots that really was quite remarkable. Yeah, the uh, the... The, the expressive writing, and I suppose you could explain to me the science behind it, 
elevated their awareness significantly. And so they were doing it. Um, after one of the early rounds in the national championship, we were having a team meeting and a kid on our team, Charlotte Thomas, who's now an LPGA player, uh, had made a shot from the fairway. She knocked it in for an eagle on the second hole. And our Andrea Vanderland, our brilliant assistant coach said, was with her and Charlotte had gotten off the shot. So what that means is Charlotte had planned her shot, stepped up and was about to hit the ball and she stops, steps off the shot and starts over. And she knocked it in the hole when she got back up and, and hit the shot. Okay, so what happened? She was aware of an interference. Remember, performance equals skill minus interference, plus or minus luck. So she recognized this interference and somebody asked her, what was the interference? Well, there was a lake in front of this green. She said, I had a fear that I would spin the ball back into the lake. And so she stepped up and that was the interference. So above the shot, the awareness was don't mess up. And right. so now typically what most players will do is they'll, try to figure it out. They'll say, well, keep your eye on the ball or swing easier. Don't hit it in the water. And they'll hit the shot anyway with interference present. Well, she didn't do that. She stepped off and then she imagined it spinning back into the hole and she made it. And about six holes later, she did it again. She made another eagle. She made an 80 yard sand wedge shot where wow. she was above the ball and she stepped off the shot. And um, at first she was thinking, don't, don't miss it short. And then she saw the ball go in and she made it. And she wow. was sharing this in the team meeting. And another, another kid raised their hand and go, well, I got off the shot on you know, the 11th hole and I hit a great shot and made a birdie. And they went around, we have five players playing. All five had gotten off a shot and it yielded a birdie or an eagle. Wow. And, and another kid, sheepishly, she raises her hand. There was another hole uh, on that golf course with a lake in front of it uh, at the green. And she had this interference. She had, don't hit it in the lake. And she hit it in the lake. And she said, yeah, I had this interference. I hit it anyway. And I made a double bogey, which is bad. <laughs> and right. right then the light bulb went on. These players recognized if I take an action with this fear for interference present, right. I hurt the team. Right. And so this is when all this, all this practice around awareness kind of hit. So now they're stepping off the shot. They're not going to hit a shot with interference. And what that expressive writing did was it allowed them to really be present to these interferences when they showed up, when they were suffering. And right. rather than use positive thinking, which in that case would be, oh, maybe this will work. They were able to be vulnerable. And whether it was with the coaches or with themselves, in fact, one of our players used expressive writing on the golf course. She wrote on her, on her push cart on the 13th hole of the final national championship round, she wrote down these two interferences. One of them was, I'm going to win. And the other one was, I'm going to lose. And she actually wrote <laughs> something else that included some profanity. And, uh, and, and she read them out loud and ripped them up and handed them to the head coach who later on kind of found me and said, look what she did. And this was a freshman who ended up winning us the national championship, Julianne wow. Alvarez, in, the, in, the, in a playoff against a great senior All-American. Um, she used the technique in real time. And wow. uh, it was powerful. So this whole team bought in and you know, th there were some other visions that we had, like we were gonna have more fun than anyone. We're going to have more fun than any other team. Here we are right. at the national championship together. 
And so we executed that. That was part of our vision. And so we sort of put that into play in various, in various, um, you know, on and off the golf course. So if I remember right, the vision was to have a great time, no matter what, whether you won or lost, correct? Was that part of the vision? Um, yeah. And to learn, uh, we were going to, uh, even right before the final round started and this kind of dovetailed with what our vision was, you know, I had a chance to put my arm around the team and I'm like, this pressure is incredible. It's live on the golf channel. I'm like, this is a million dollar opportunity. We're either going to win and learn or we're not going to win and learn. Either way, this isn't the end of our lives. You're gonna, you have a long life to live. This is a tremendous right. opportunity to grow. Right. And they all just seem to relax which it went, and drop some of that attachment to the outcome right. that you talk about where, where they're like, wait a minute, I'm going to attach myself to learning and growing more right. so than being freaked out about whether we win or lose or take advantage of this opportunity. Right. And so now with this growth mindset, they were able to apply the principles and uh, play just really inspiring golf. Well, you know, I think what happens, I have a website post called the ring of fire <clears throat> and the outside ring is blue. The middle one's red and the center is green. And the blue represents the things that we do to help make ourselves happy. The problem is we tend to identify with that blue ring as who we are. And the red ring is anxiety, which isn't part of our lives. You have to literally, because if you're in the center and trying a new, trying a new endeavor, you have to go through the red ring no matter what. But what I did for my entire life, I was so good at accomplishments that I didn't even know what the red ring was. In other words, I was so busy being frenetically busy that I stayed out of the red ring until I just got worn out. Mm -hmm. But my identity became that blue ring of being this great spine surgeon. And even now I have to deal with this every day. I have this big project of trying to save the world and stop spine surgery and whatever. It's a massively huge vision. But what I have to do is actually every day, every minute, just pull myself right into the center with my writing exercises, active meditation, letting go of the outcome, realizing I can do what I can do as one person, that's it. And if I get into the scorekeeping or the end outcome, I have had hundreds of patients go to pain-free. At what point do I have enough patients going pain-free to be happy, right? That's scorekeeping. Just like with the national championship, it's great to win, but it doesn't, it doesn't change your life that much, right? No. And so I'd like you to just comment in the last few minutes here about just the whole idea of our identity being attached to accomplishments, et cetera. And it's such a paradox, detaching from the outcome is such a huge, huge factor in just life in general, also any type of performance. But I do want to know the end of the story. So you won the national championship. Which I think there's a little bit of drama there on the 18th hole. Am I remembering this correctly? Yeah. Um, yes, there was uh, that freshman, Julianne Alvarez, had a chance to two-putt on her 18th hole, the final hole of her match, to win the national championship. And uh, she has shared that um, she had some fear of hitting it too far. So she ended up leaving it short <laughs> and, uh, and three putting, which typically doesn't, uh, is a big problem going into a playoff against a senior when you're a freshman, right? The momentum is, is changed. And right. she was able to, uh, uh, she didn't hit a great shot on her first playoff hole, but the coach gave, gave her some great coaching and asked her to be aggressive. And she ended up tying the hole. And then, which meant they came back down the 18th hole, the hole where she had just given up this opportunity. And uh, I, I suppose this is an example of, of, of wisdom in the way that we want to see it. Um, 
this kid Julianne on our team hit a drive. It was in the it was in the right rough. It was a difficult golf shot. She wasn't going to be able to go for the green, and she had a strategic. Uh, quandary in terms of how aggressive to be. So the head coach was there and they made a decision on the play, but it was risky. It was going to be. Well, here our player got off and got up and stepped to the shot. And uh, like before, um, in the different story of Charlotte Thomas, our player was like, she had interference. And so she stepped off the shot. Now this is a pregnant moment. It's live on the golf channel. There are cameras and people. Um, she stepped off the shot. The coach was perfect. She's like, you just want to extend this time with me. Um, and they smiled and then she stepped up again and was about to hit the golf shot. And she had the courage and awareness and wherewithal to stop because the interferences were just too much. She stepped off the shot again, which you just don't see that much. Had a little conversation with the coach, took a breath, was committed, hit a great shot um, and ended up going on to win that hole. Um, and, and the championship. And the national championship. Okay, so, 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 so I didn't know, I don't remember this wrong. So tr she had a chance to two-putt to win the national championship and she three-putted. Did I hear yes. that right? Wow. Yes. That is and, pressure. And she was aware. I mean, so, so, but it didn't, what she was able to do, the key is that she wasn't able to, you talk about attachment to the outcome. She right. was able to, I mean, of course, it's hard. You know, you're 18 years old. You have a chance to win the national championship. You three-putt. The standard, the reason why a player is going to lose with the momentum is that attachment. I'm an idiot. Who loses this opportunity? I choked. That's going to go to the next hole. Right. Well, she had developed the ability, in the, especially in the routine and in the relationship with, our, with the coach, to become present and become aware in the present moment where right. that last moment was that last moment. But right. here she has another opportunity. Right. And it was an expression of wisdom. Right. And, and some of wisdom is when you realize, especially when you're young, that you are your identity, who you are, your sense of self is unattached to the outcome. Right. Who she was, wasn't the three putt, who she was in the next moment on the next shots that she hit was who she was being in that moment. Right. And she knew who she wanted to be in that moment. She'd clarified with her vision. I want to have more fun than anyone. This is an opportunity to learn. We run to the fire. We love pressure. Right. right. We, we, this anxiety, we go to it. That's what you want to do. If you want to grow, you don't want to hide from it. Right. And as we won that championship, the players go running onto the green to celebrate. And it's all on TV, the standard kind of jumping around, screaming celebration. And I'm walking around on the perimeter of the green going, Oh my gosh, that actually worked. <laughs> okay. We won the championship. Right. right. So that's what worked. Right. What worked. But, right. but, but in my mind, I'm like, well, what worked? Well, what worked was the vision that we had as coaches and, 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 and I believe in the entire University of Washington Athletic Department, our vision is to develop wise centered, well, at least my words of this are to develop wise centered self-aware human beings. Right. Golf was a place to practice that adversity that you're under, under pressure, right. a chance to practice what you want to be. And that's what we were doing is practicing what we wanted to be and who we were and, and that's why we leverage golf. Well, it turns out that when you're leveraging the adversity in the situation, like leveraging golf or leveraging this pandemic or leveraging even chronic pain, right. or your job as a surgeon to become a, a better human being, surgery is a place to practice what you want to be. What right. we wanted them to be as a coaching staff was wise and centered and self-aware. 
and and that meant de-identifying their identity, their sense of their self-worth from the results, the grades, the money, the scores that they shoot on the golf course. And so we were able to kind of leverage the sport towards growing these young people. And it turns out that those young people are pretty clutch under pressure. They're able to perform. And, you know, I guess that's what I'd like the listeners to pay attention to. Whatever you're faced with, whatever adversity, whatever situation you're involved with, whatever is capturing your imagination, this is a chance for you to practice what you want to be. Well, what do you want to be? Right. What's the software of what you want to be and what's the hardware of how you'd like your life to look? And that's a, that's a lot of energy than blaming. Well, <laughs> I yeah, had to say I mean, that. But I mean, right now, we're, we're, I'm not saying the obvious, but I mean, right now we're in sort of a blame culture, right? And so yes. the, the vision of your life and what you want to be means you take your adversity instead of blaming somebody for your adversity. I mean, you can blame people. That's fine. I mean, people, other people do cause problems. That's right. fine. But you have a responsibility how to handle that adversity and move forward because adversity wouldn't be adversity unless it was unpleasant. So again, David said this to me a couple, many years ago, is that your adversity is your chance to practice the tools. And it's been a huge, huge mantra for me. And I've been through a tremendous amount of adversity trying to create change in medicine, as you well know. And I'm not tough. I don't like adversity. Nobody says you have to like it, but it doesn't phase me very much anymore. Not because I'm tough, just because I just go, okay, I will let it affect me for a second or two, maybe even a day. And then I just process it and move on through with the writing relaxation, the visualization, the vision, all those things add to a sum total of just actually living a life that you want to live. And detaching your identity from your performances is a huge, huge step in this whole process. So David, this is fantastic. I just want to say a couple things in finalizing here is that there will be some show notes. David has put together some rules of hardware and software. We're also going to put a link up called Better Not Look Down, which is the story of the University of Women's Golf Championship is a link to that. You actually read the story in detail, which is phenomenal. Is there a video on that also, David, or just the, is there a link, video link to that? You could, you can look up on YouTube about the 2016 National Championship. Okay. Well, well, we'll link that up. We'll put that on the show notes. So anyways, the website poster called Better Not Look Down. We'll put that note up. We'll link up the YouTube. And David also has some rules of hardware and software that helps make some of the things we talked about more practical. And, uh, and David, you, you're, what's your website, David? It's at beyondpar.com. Right. So David's also doing personal coaching. He's been coaching our fellows for years. Phenomenal results. I'm still coached by him intimately, but I get to coach you too, right? Yes, I'm open to that. <laughs> we're, but we're both. So we, we coach each other back and forth. I also honestly think um, personally, when you're a high level coach, such as David and I are, that it's really imperative that we continue our own coaching. And we do. We're both pursuing our own mentors and ongoing coaching. So there's no end point to this coaching. But anyway, David has a website that has some resources on it. Um, you know my website, backincontrol.com. And as you probably can tell, David and I have just barely touched the water as far as what we'd like to talk about. So we'll be doing this a few more times. But I really appreciate you having on the show. This has been fantastic. Thank you, David. I appreciate you. I'd like to thank our guest, David Alimi, for joining us today and sharing a truly inspiring story of how he used his performance principles to help the University of Washington women's golf team win a national championship. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to join us next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. 
And remember to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.